This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome to Halftime Adjustments. It's Wednesday night. It's feeling like spring. The temperature is getting uh, higher and higher, it seems, every day. I'm sure we'll have a setback. But for now, it's full speed ahead with Chris Carter from DKPittsburghSports.com. Hi, Chris. What's up? How you been, Albie? It's so great to see you again, as always. It's great to see you, and it's great to feel positive. To open the windows, to let that breeze in, and to think spring, which means hockey playoffs, the start of baseball, and, oh, yeah, free agency. We're going to get to baseball and free agency in a minute. Let's start with the uh, hockey playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, which are still about a half of a regular season away. However, the Penguins have gotten some traction in the month of March. They've won three in a row. They've won four of their first five games in the month of March. Uh, this is a great time for them. They're back into playoff position. I know there's a lot of a lot of hockey to be played, but what are you thinking now about the Penguins? And has the last week to 10 days done anything to change anybody's mind? Do you think that this is a true Stanley Cup contender? I mean, I think the biggest thing, as every year in hockey, Albie, it's about just get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're in the playoffs, you got a shot. As long as you can get a hot goalie and get some things working for your offense and you got good hustlers on your team. The Penguins have the chance to get that. What I think is very interesting is that Tristan Jari has really stepped up. He's, his save percentage is now up to 900 even. And I think that that's going – if he can stay on this pace, Albie, if he can be a difference maker for the Penguins – it gives them an asset that none of us were predicting that they would have for this season. A lot of the talk was, hey, he can be okay, he can be decent, but if he's playing the way he has the past couple weeks, you're going to see this Penguins team with a lot more upside. I also think the fact that they're skating faster, they're playing faster, they're playing at, at, at a pace that, that is pushing opponents a little bit more, the, all those things are ticking positively for the Penguins. But as we know, Albie, like you said, we still got a long way to go in this regular season. A lot yeah. of things can happen. And the good news is they do play a uh, roughly half of their games against teams that are below them in the standings. And we're talking about Buffalo and the Rangers and teams that they feel that they should beat. Although you never know, uh, Buffalo has, has done well lately with the Boston Bruins. The Bruins looked real good. They're dealing with, with some injuries. The Islanders are, are, are looking real good now. Um, will they come down from that? Then there's the Washington Caps. You talk about goaltending. There's one other thing that people talk about. Uh, when trying to gauge if the Penguins are, in fact, the Stanley Cup champion, and that is the division. And they have fared well through a difficult part of their schedule, to their credit, uh, and they do have a, a manageable schedule coming up, at least on paper. Uh, but, but that's the fact that they have to deal with. They're, they're uh, up against the Islanders, the Capitals, the Bruins, and the Flyers, four teams uh, that are they're, they're formidable and and the Penguins have proven that they at least for now have jumped over uh, a couple of those teams but they're going to have to take this to the finish so they're dealing with a very difficult and challenging division absolutely and I think again the big thing is how does this play out if the Penguins can stay healthy I think they can bang with anybody uh, and, and we've seen that over this last tough stretch of games and like you said during this during this this next these next month or so you're going to see the Penguins get the opportunity to go up against some teams that have been struggling this year that have been looking for answers themselves and if they're able to stay consistent that's the one thing we're you know we're all we're, we're all feeling really good about Tristan Jari right now but what happens if there's a dip in his play what happens if they start if, if we get closer to the playoffs and then there starts to be the question okay do you start him do you move him around do you do other things that's when I'd start to get worried here but 
right now is the point is that we're at, and we can only judge what we're seeing at the moment. I think the Penguins are heading in the right direction. And like you said, those, yeah, those other teams are formidable, but they, we, we just saw that the Penguins can hang with all of them. So um, it's going to come down to being healthy. It's going to come down to who's playing hotter in the, over the next month or so. And again, my thing is, I don't care if the Penguins are the lowest seed in the playoffs. If they can get to the playoffs, I think this, this team has a chance with the players that are on the roster. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, if the question is, as I stated at the beginning of the segment, are the Penguins a Stanley Cup contender? Uh, I'm going to say that as of this moment, they absolutely are a yeah. Stanley Cup contender. Uh, does that mean uh, they're the favorite to win the Cup? No, because I think any playoffs uh, where you're having to deal with the Islanders and most importantly, having to deal with the Bruins and, and, and maybe the Caps or maybe the Flyers, whatever uh, other three teams get in with the Penguins if they if they get in the playoffs, uh, it's going to be difficult to get out of the East. I'm not saying it's likely that they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but as of now, I would say absolutely a Stanley Cup contender. And uh, listen, the, the guys at the top of this roster, I mean, I'm talking about the leadership uh, positions. Uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, who's come on a little stronger lately. Get this team a shot. But then at the same time, they may feel, hey, we got we have the players we want right now. And we think that this group can push forward without selling out more of our future. Absolutely. All right. Well said. And I may have misspoke just slightly at the beginning. I said we're going to talk about baseball. Maybe we'll sneak a little baseball in in our final segment. We're going to be talking about pit basketball as well, where they go from here, because March Madness also means spring. Up next, though, the Steelers. Free agency starts next week. Lots of decisions to be made. Lots have already been made. We're going to be talking about that and more when I return with Chris Carter right after this. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with our buddy and our partner from DKPittsburghSports.com, Chris Carter. Hey, Chris, free agency, as uh, I don't know if that's the first thing people think of when they think of spring, but when you get to mid-March, in this case, March 17th, um, you know, that new league year is underway. They, they, they're going to figure out the cap. They're going to know exactly uh, what they can spend, what they can't spend. And, uh, yeah, free agency means a whole lot to the Steelers this year, not only uh, in terms of who they might pick up in free agency, but who they might keep of their uh, existing free agents. What are your thoughts as far as priorities for the Steelers? What would you like to see them take care of uh, at the start of the, of the run here? Well, first thing off, uh, we, we do know what the salary cap will be now. It's $182.5 million. That's right. huge uh, because now we have a solid set number. There's no more guessing games. And now I estimate you're going to see a lot more moves, not just because we are a week away from the season starting, but because now teams have that finite number that, 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 they're, that they're working with here. There's a lot of chances for the Steelers to, to, to kind of create more cal salary cap space. They already took advantage earlier this morning. They restructured Derek Watt's con contract that freed up $880,000 uh, more dollars in the salary cap this year. I believe at this point in time, Albie, as we are sitting here talking to you, the listeners, uh, we are, I think we we're looking at the Steelers having $6.1 million under the salary cap. That means they are cap compliant. That means they are clear and good to go, but, 
if they want to make more moves, they still can. They can extend Joe Hayden. They can extend Steven Nelson. They can extend D- David DeCastro. They can look at other players if they want to cut or if they want to restructure. Stephon Tewitt's a key restructure that could happen. They, you know, they could look at Vince Williams' contract. I think that there's a lot of different options for the Steelers to, to choose between to open up this cap space even more in the next coming weeks. Now, top priorities, Albie, as far as signing players, they still got to deal with getting back their own guys. Zach Banner, obvious keeper. He, he's made it clear that Tomlin's told him he's a priority. He will be back on the team. I, I That's 100% sure. I, I, I would bank on that. The next guy I think the team has to look at is Cameron Sutton because he's a guy that can, that can boost your depth at outside corner and at slot corner, and he could come to you for a very relatively cheap price. Those are the two guys I think are the easiest signs. I think you can, you can also get Tyson Alulu for a decent price for what he was able to do last season. But where everyone's going to start talking about is, of course, bigger name players like Juju, like Bud Dupree, like Mike Hilton. Now, Bud Dupree, the Steelers already said they're not using the franchise tag. It's pretty much assumed he's going to hit the market. That was pretty much what we saw this whole time coming. No surprise. Yeah, none at all. But I I also see the same deal with Juju Smith-Schuster. As much as as, as some fans want this to happen, as much as Juju might want this to happen, as much as Ben might want this to happen, the Steelers have been drafting at receiver for years now. They've got three guys at the top of the roster, and they just signed Ray Ray McLeod to a short-term deal. They got four options of the roster who are vets, who, who know the system, who will be back next year, and they can still draft a receiver in the, in the NFL draft. I just I don't see it in the cards for the Steelers to bring back Godwin, who was looking like the top uh, free agency wide receiver this class. He got tagged by the Buccaneers. Allen Robinson, the guy from Penn State, he got tagged by the Bears. Two of the top – those were the two top receivers everyone was looking at this year in free agency. Now, Juju might be the second or third best wide receiver available this year, and that's going to increase his market value. I mean, he might be looking at a legit $15 to $18 million a year if someone wants to pay that much. Um, You know, it's interesting because I – it's never been a situation where you you can count on the Steelers to go out on the market and get and make too big of a splash. It's just not their way. Right. Um, this year, it would appear that uh, there's even less of a chance of that happening. Um, is there any way they can, you know, check off some of these priorities by going out on the free market, or is that just likely not going to happen again? I think they're going to find some minor moves. I think they're going to get some depth guys, maybe an interior right. offensive line, maybe an offensive tackle, maybe a cornerback, maybe an off-ball linebacker will come relatively cheap. Uh, but ultimately, Albie, I just I, I see I see this team as trying to if if the the one splash I think if it happens at all. The one splash might be Corey Lindsley, the, the Packers center, who's the best center on the market right now. And some estimate that he's going to command as much as $10 million a year for a contract. That would immediately solidify the center center position for them so that they don't have to draft one too high if they don't want to this year. Uh, but again, they're going to be looking at, hey, why not, why not you know, spread out the money, keep ourselves even keel? And we look at this, we look at this draft class and open things up that way when we get a running back, an offensive tackle, a center. Those are the things that can happen. I also think it's interesting how active the tight end market's gotten. We've got Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, two big names on the tight end market. That might cheapen the price for some of the guys that are lower down on that list. So don't see as Ed, you're right, don't see the Steelers as big Myers in the market, but look at them as, as a team that's going to find those sneaky diamond in the rough buys that could get them a solid veteran to balance the roster for a bit. Well, it will start quickly. And I, again, I don't think it's any surprise that Bud Dupree is going to hit the market and, and, and I don't think anybody's counting on uh, 
uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, re-signing with the Steelers, but it will happen quickly. Uh, these are situations uh, that, that, that uh, when free agency begins, just like that, you'll see a number of names uh, checked off the list. And, and I think that everybody's, uh, what everybody already knows will be confirmed uh, very early in, in, in free agency. All right. I agree. Uh, thank you, Dean, for wrapping us up at precisely the right time. <laughs> and uh, we will be back to talk about the Pitt Panthers, a first-round exit from the uh, ACC tournament. Uh, Pitt's looking to next year now. Where are they going? Where is this program headed when we come back? With Chris Carter, I'm Albie Oxenrider. Half-time adjustments is after this. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. And yes, that other ingredient of spring, along with the uh, Penguins starting to pick up steam and uh, the offseason for the Steelers getting very interesting. Uh, it's March Madness. And in this case, uh, well, there's a little sadness because the Pitt Panthers uh, finished the season uh, in a difficult way. They lost 10. The Panthers lost 10 of their final 12 games. Uh, they, of course, lost a couple players who entered the transfer portal. And now there are a lot of questions going forward, Chris. Um, Jeff Capel was very complimentary of his team after the first, uh, the, the first game that they lost in the ACC tournament to the uh, Miami Hurricanes. He, he praised his team for sticking with it and, uh, you know, told them how much he appreciated uh, in this very difficult season. And it's a difficult season for everybody just because of the situation with COVID. Uh, but, but it became more difficult for Pitt with a lot of stuff happening that they weren't expecting. Talk about where this team is headed, no recruits signed for next year. A lot of questions about Justin Champagny, so take it away. I mean, there's a lot of questions that are floating around. One on the recruit aspect, yes, it's true. They are the only ACC team without a, a single recruit signed right now as far as, as far as the program is, but it might have been by design because they knew that they were going to have to hit the transfer portal hard. Uh, that's, coming, that's coming especially now with Xavier Johnson and Adis Tony. Um, also it's important to remember a lot of the bigger signings that Pitt has gotten have happened in the spring, you know, William Jeffers, who was a top 100 recruit they got last year, he was signed in April. So like it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Pitt's going to make big moves right now, but absolutely, you know, while it was a disappointing way that the, the season spun from, you know, being eight and two to finishing 10 and 12, uh, it still is a sign that like after, after everything fell apart with Xavier Johnson and the audience, Tony both transferring out after that happened, the team did rally around each other. You did see in their, in their, in their next few games, they were able to come together, compete, find answers. And, and there still is, there's still a lot of hope on this roster. Um, Justin Champagny, that's going to be the big question for all of the offseason. You know, he's he became he became the first ever Pitt Panther to be an all first team all ACC when he got voted onto the all ACC team this week. He um he also came in second in voting when it came to uh when it came to the the team as far as the uh, uh the, the player of the year for the ACC. So that's another thing to consider here, but Justin Champagne also struggled down the stretch. A lot more teams were double teaming him, getting really physical with him, and he didn't have as many of his superstar performances later in the season. He may look at that as a, as a sign to say, you know what, the I'm not a top pick in the NBA. It, it is a stretch to say that he would even be a late first round pick this year by, oh, yeah. by, by right. most standards. So 
I think Justin, especially with the way that he played in this last game, I mean, he he was pretty rough. He shot five of 20. That's a, that's 25% from the field. That's not good. Um, but he may see this as a chance like, you know what? I need to go back and show everyone that I am the man. And it's not just I didn't just have, you know, a good freshman season and a great sophomore season that I can do all these different things. Um, and because next year, Albie, if he comes back, all the eyes will be on him. Everyone knows he'll be a superstar. So that will if he can shine next year, too. That'll be great. And he also said uh, just a couple weeks ago that he's looking forward to the opportunity to play his twin brother, Julian Champagne, who plays for uh, who, uh, who plays for the Red Storm. Um, and I think that that's going to be an interesting story for them. So, um, you know, Pitt playing St. John's next year, maybe that ends up being helping. But Jeff Capel was adamant, Albie, and I mean adamant, that he is not going to force Justin's hand, that it's up to him. He'll give him as much information as he can about what NBA teams are saying. And I think that's the right approach. But – I also wouldn't overlook Femi Odakale. Uh, this, this is a guy who, who came in, and he's, he's the point guard that replaced Xavier Johnson, a freshman from New York. This kid put up 28 points in his first ACC tournament game. Very impressive. And you had Nike Sabande, the transfer from Miami, Ohio, putting up 24 points. Uh, there's a lot of hope uh, in the backcourt here. The biggest thing is, Albie, they need a big man. They need a guy who can control the paint, defend the rim, and, and, and have some size to this roster. Uh, agree on Otakali. That was a uh, just a great way to showcase the future and uh, doing it in an ACC tournament game. Uh, good for him. As far as Champagny, hey, I heard the same quote that everybody else heard. He said he was looking forward to playing his brother uh, when when Pitt plays St. John's uh, next season. Um, I had a couple uh, Pitt fans say to me, "Well, uh, he can play his brother in the NBA." But to your point, uh, you you know. It's not a question of whether he's an NBA talent. It's a question of whether Justin Champagne is an NBA talent now yeah. and how high a draft pick. He's projected as a second-round pick. I think um, not knowing what might change with the way he's being scouted, I think all signs are pointing to him coming back. Um, the, the way he finished, and you mentioned that, he 11 points and 10 rebounds in that final game, but 5-for-20 shooting uh, certainly leaves a lot to be desired. Um it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And I think that would be the best possible news for Pitt to see him coming back. Uh, because despite uh, Otakali and the optimism and the other players that you mentioned, uh, I, I think that the real, the, the real optimism would come with uh, Justin Champagne coming back for another season based on what Pitt has lost. I also agree that they're going to have to go to the transfer portal. They're going to bring in uh, somebody who can play right away, whether it's Juco or whether it's uh, somebody who has an opportunity uh, to get in there and play right away. That's what they need. Um, we're going to have to see what happens. But, yeah, I the overriding uh, feeling that I have when I look at the end of the season was disappointment for Pitt. They started off 8-2, and two, and just to see them uh, go downhill the way they did. I, I, I think that uh, Jeff Capel and what he said about the officiating after the loss at Clemson was an indication that he, too, was frustrated. And perhaps he was uh, – uh, having his players back, uh, you know, there might've been something else at work there, uh, where, you know, give me the attention. Don't put the attention on these young guys. But, uh, I think clearly, regardless of, of, of what was behind that, I think that uh, Jeff Capel was, is frustrated and for good reason. I agree. And his frustrations were, were right. ACC officials were really rough on Pitt, especially Justin Champagne. So, uh, I think he had to do it. All right. Thank you, uh, Chris. Back with our final moments right here in halftime adjustments after this
Welcome back for our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments. Chris, I did the, the tease Pirates at the beginning of this uh, of this show, so let's talk a little Pirates real fast. Hey, two games in a row, the Pirates have put up double-digit runs. I think that's enough to get everybody excited. I know it's spring training, but uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how this isn't about 2021. Take the good, uh, find out who's going to be able to play, who's going to be able to contribute, not only this season, for the future, and go with it, and let's have some fun and watch baseball. Alvin, you think that's enough to get people excited. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what's going to happen when, when, when they actually get back to PNC Park. I think it's nice that we're seeing some things. This whole season is about next year and the next three years. It's not even really about 2022. It's about, it's about finding the guys who's going to stick around. Can Brian Hayes be a superstar? That would be the best thing that you want to see this season everything else you know make sure they get the right pitcher with the first pick of the draft make sure they get they get they, they get their younger guys developing that's fine but this this year is going to be really rough but i think fans will be happy because they'll be back in the stadium exactly get there enjoy baseball for what it is thanks chris that's halftime adjustments for this week i'm albie oxenrider we'll see you next wednesday night right here on wpxi now